want to let you guys know that Thursday is a big deal. It's Cinco de Mayo. I don't know what you're laughing at and what you do on that day, but we're going to pray because it's the national day of prayer. I set you up. Ty, you, Ty, I'm so sorry I do that to you. But no, Thursday is a special day, but it is the national day of prayer. It's the day in which churches all across our nation will gather. Congregations who we don't normally get to worship with physically on a Sunday. We're going to gather together here in our community. We're going to gather at Messiah Lutheran Church at 7 o'clock Thursday night. We'd love for you guys to come and, and spend some time in prayer for us as, as we pray for a move of God across our nation. We need it, do we not? Come on, somebody. For God to move in our community, in our families, in our homes, in our schools and businesses. So many different things that we're going to be praying for God to intervene in. And so if you can join us Thursday night, uh, and uh, be a part of that. We'd love to have you with us the National uh, Day of Prayer. Have you felt the Spirit's presence here today? Golly, there's so much I want to say and do to you right now, but I just, I, I'm going to share with you something. You know, pastors are demented. Do you know any demented people? You know people that are just a little off? Pastors are off. We really are. We only work one day a week. I know what y'all think, all that good stuff, and we play golf, and in, in, in all that. But we pastors, we, we, we talk to each other. I, I share that with you guys. And I and, um, just want to let you know what I got from, from someone. He's, he lives up north, so that, you know, let's just, that's what it is. So, But no, this is the word of encouragement. I love it. I love it. He says this, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. Praying for incredible moves of God in each of your churches today. You'll never have another May the 1st of 2022. This is the only one of those you get. So make it count. I like that. In Acts chapter 10, it says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. My prayer for us today is that while we are speaking or whoever is speaking, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would fall. During your message that the power of the Holy Ghost would rock the people to life, exclamation mark. And he says this, it's go time. It is go time. I'm tired of the enemy seemingly winning. You know, he thought he won when we, that song we sang about a while ago. He, he thought he had won when Christ was buried in a grave, right? You, you guys remember Easter, right? The story, right? How it goes. And Man, I'm just telling you, the, the, the king is on the move. The king is on the move. And we are praying for the Holy Ghost to come and invade every house of worship today and move amongst his people. Hey, listen, the greatest thing for you today is not to be impressed by anything else or who's... Hey, were you impressed by the person singing next to you today? Was it that they sound melodious? It was awesome. We want you to come face to face with Jesus because we believe he can change your life. Amen. We pray for a move of the Holy Spirit in this house, and you need not be afraid of that, okay? The Holy Spirit is not kooky. People are, but he's not, okay? He's not, and so do not be afraid to obey him and let him have his way in your life today. In fact, God, that's my prayer right now, that the Holy Spirit would not only invade this house, I pray that he invade the houses of people that are watching us online today, and we are honored that you guys are dialed in. I pray for a move of the Spirit in every church in our city, in this area, 
across this state, our nation, and around the world. Holy Spirit, would you move today? This is still Resurrection Sunday, and I believe, God, you're still calling dead things back to life. Come on. Let's go. Let's go, 11 o'clock. God, I pray that you would have your way in this house and move in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Or, or let's just be real, maybe you've said this or you've thought this. I think I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to straighten it all out. <laughs> or have you ever heard somebody, or maybe you know of someone that has said something like this? Our schools are a mess. I wish somebody would do something about it. <laughs> or what about this one? You know, our church is in a mess right now, and this needs to change, dot, dot. Gripers, complainers, self-professed prophets, armchair quarterbacks. We all seem to have the answers, do we not? We all love to sit and analyze and scrutinize and come up with our own solutions to the problems. There are a lot of people that have this gift. I'm not going to call it spiritual, but they have this gift of assessing what's broken and needs to change. The problem is they don't want to do anything about it. They just want to complain and gripe and hurl insults and cast stones and, and what have you. I'm just going to tell you today, I believe that there's something new and different that God wants to do amongst his people. And I believe that God is wanting to use us to be a part of the solution to the things that we see around us that are disjointed and broken and lay in, in, in rubble. I believe that God is calling us to do something about it. Today, we're going to launch into a new series entitled, Let's Go! Let's go. Let's go. It's entitled Let's Go. In fact, we're going to look at that. Well, let me just, first of all, let me just tell you, Joe, I don't know if you guys know who, who Jim Tallarico is. We, we call him Pops around here. Pops is, is here and, and he, he brings all of us early morning arrivers. He, he drives the golf cart and brings us up to, to the house. Today it was raining. I'm glad Pops was driving. Pops is 85 years old. I don't, does he even have a driver's license? I just... <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, but a Pops is amazing. If you've met Pops, Pops is 85. I remind Pops that Caleb in the Bible was 84 when he charged the mountain and defeated the enemy with just his armor bear. So Pops, God's not done with you. Amen. And for those of you 85 and plus, come on, you're still breathing. You're still here and there's still work to be done in the kingdom. Amen. Pops, Pops loves to tell a joke. He doesn't only usher us to the front door, but he tells a joke every week. And a lot of times it just gets my motor running a little bit. I love it. We'll sing an old hymn, a song, but Pops told me a joke today. Can I share it with you? Because it has something to do with where we're going today. Pops said, Pastor, you know who the shortest man in the Bible was? I'm like, Pops, I went to school for this. Yeah, Zacchaeus said, nope, not Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, but he wasn't. I said, Pops, well, you got me. Who's the shortest man in the Bible? He said this. Nehemiah. So I, I said, Pops, Pops, you know that that's not really how you pronounce his name, but he's 85 and I'm just going to let him go with it. Okay. But today, as we launch into this series, we're going to start a journey today looking at this man, Nehemiah. Some of you, that's all you're going to remember about my message today. That's okay. If it causes you to get in the word, go for it. Amen. 
But today we're going to start a journey in this series called Let's Go Looking at Nehemiah. And, and, and we're going to see that Nehemiah was a man of incredible faith. He, had, he, he heard from God and had a vision from the God, from, from the God, from God. And he began to set out to be a part of something that seemed impossible. He wasn't satisfied with what he saw happening around him. The destruction and the rubble and the, 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 the demise of Jerusalem. The walls that laid in shambles. He was not satisfied with that. And instead of griping, complaining, or praying, God, would you send someone to? You prayed that prayer. I know you have. When all along God said, hey, I want to use you. Well, this man, Nehemiah, was an answer to the problem. And he stepped up and he did something about it. Now, listen, you, you, you don't have this verse on the screens. Man, we, we pastors make it so easy for you guys. And we give you all the answers and all the scripture where you don't have to look at it. But if you, this is just bonus Bible for you. And those of you that are at home, go ahead and pull out that big Bible on your coffee table with the picture of Jesus on the front of it, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. This, is, this, to me, would be the key verse in this small book of Nehemiah. This, this short book, and we're going to get to this. I'm foreshadowing. That's a literary something, okay? But we're going to, I, I want to tell you, this is the key passage in this story, in this book of Nehemiah. It's found in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. It says this, so on October the 2nd, on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Nehemiah sets out to take on a project that is impossible. Neighboring nations, even people that lived there within Jerusalem said, there is no way you will be able to accomplish what you are setting out to do. And you know what? They were right. Because it, a human being could not accomplish what Nehemiah did in 52 days. But God. But God was more than able. And that might be a word for some of you to get past the Nehemiah joke. And I want you to listen to this because you might find yourself in a situation in which you feel like it's impossible. There is no way out of this. I've dug a hole that's too deep, the pit I will never get out of. There's so much being lobbed at me. I'm being bombarded on every side and there is no possible way I will make it out. I want you to trust in the God of Nehemiah. And I want you to know that with that God, everything is possible. Tell your neighbor that right now. Just tell him, say, now he wants you to hear this. This is a word for you today. With God, all things are possible. And we're going to see that here today. Now, if you don't know anything about Nehemiah, let me give you just a little, little background on who he is. He was a godly Jew. And when Nehemiah takes action in this this, this book that, that bears his name, Nehemiah is not actually living in Jerusalem. He's living in Susa, the capital city of the Persian empire. Nehemiah is, is this is around five BC and Nehemiah is, is, it has a job. He has a role. He's, he's not a carpenter. He's not a wall builder. Nehemiah is a cupbearer 
to King Artaxerxes I. Now, I don't know if you know what a cupbearer is, but there was a very prominent position back in these days. The cupbearer was the right-hand man to the king, all right? His role was very important. You see, he would drink, he would taste everything that went to the king. Before the king ever drank it or tasted it, the cupbearer had to taste it to make sure it wasn't poisonous. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't you like to sign up for that job? Right? He tasted it to make sure. You see, they knew back then that assassins would do whatever they could to get close to the king and drop just a little bit of poison that could wreak havoc on the kingdom. Might still be a tactic and a ploy that he uses today. Amen? So this role of that, 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 that Nehemiah had, listen, he, he knew nothing about masonry. He knew nothing about, about building anything. He was a cupbearer. He liked to drink. And he had to taste things to make sure that things were on the up and up. But what we find is Nehemiah receives word that the walls around Jerusalem lie in rubble. Now, if you know anything about what's happened, the, 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 the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and burns down the city, destroys the temple. We know that, that around 515 BC, that the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem. And those Jewish people that have been in exile for 70 years have come back. They're coming back. The problem is the temple's built, but the walls of the city aren't. Now, if you know anything about great civilizations of history, walls were important, were they not? Now, they may not be as important in our culture today, although I don't know which side you fall on, right? Um, we can build walls in our lives that keep God out or other people out. We can build walls that, listen, walls were a big deal. They were meant for protection, uh, they, they, they were oftentimes a statement to other nations about the power of our nation. And let's be honest, they were beautiful. Well, walls were incredible. And so what you have in Jerusalem is the temples built, but the walls around the city aren't. And so there's still this possibility of attack. There's still possibility for someone to sneak in and wreak havoc and cause destruction. So when this cupbearer by the name of Nehemiah understands and hears about this, he's heard and he's burdened for it. Now, here's what we're going to begin to do and unpack over the weeks to come. We're going to look at, and if you're a leader in business, or if you're a coach or teacher, or, or you've got any people that are under your, listen, Nehemiah is loaded. It is rich with great leadership principles. I would encourage you to dive into the word of God. You guys are not afraid of the Bible, are you? Come on. It's good. And it's a guide. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, David writes, and a light unto my path. Come on, get in the word of God and let it guide your life. Amen. But, but it's loaded with stuff. But what we're going to begin to see is an incredible plan. I've already given you the outcome that in 52 days, Nehemiah and a group of people accomplished something impossible. Can I just tell you something? That when we bring God into the process, and when there are a group of people that work together, what seems impossible is possible. And what we're going to find in this journey together in this series called Let's Go is we're going to find a group of people that work together 
under the visionary and leadership of a cupbearer by the name of Nehemiah, and they do something that was impossible. Amen? But here's what you need to understand something about this man, Nehemiah. I'm so not like Nehemiah on so many levels, right? Um, But here's the thing that we're going to find in in our journey, especially today. We're not going to look at how he planned it and how he executed it you know, sword in one hand and a hammer. And we're not, we'll look at that later. But, but what I want us to understand was what I believe was Nehemiah's secret sauce. I, I want us to begin to see today what, what really brought success in this building proportion, of, this building project of epic proportions. Nehemiah was a man that prayed. In fact, can I just encourage you with something today? For those of you that are watching or listening or present with us, you might think that this depicts your life right now, and it might be a difficult time. Can I just encourage you with something? That before you do anything, especially when it comes for God, you need to talk to God about it. Listen, what would happen if you might invite God into your current situation today? I know it looks bleak and it looks dismal. Nehemiah's project did as well. The city looked awful. But what might happen if you, before you set out to do anything, would simply invite God into the situation? Come on, how many of you know that when God's involved, it always turns out better, right? It's always better that way. We have story to tell time and time again. And what we're going to find as we dive into this book of Nehemiah is that he was an incredible man of faith and that prayer was a big deal to him. Prayer was a big deal to Nehemiah. I think I have that for you on the screen. I want you to see that. There it is. I told you, it's there. It's a big deal. And I don't know about you oftentimes, but, but, but so many times when I find a situation or a problem that needs fixing, you know what I do? I just jump into it. Now, now, now listen, I know that there are some situations in life in which we, we don't need to spend enormous amounts of time in prayer trying to figure it out. Case in point, I, I was at a restaurant about two months ago and, and a lady was choking. And I've never done this in my life, but I grabbed her and I began to foo, foo, Heimlich and that sushi came out and she lived to tell another story in a day, right? Probably broke a rib or two. I don't care. She was breathing, amen? There are some things in life you don't have to see to pause. This lady's choking. Should I do anything? God, would you just send somebody right now? Just going to wait, God. Just, you can't breathe. No, you step in. But you know what I'm talking about, that there are some big decisions that we face in life. Maybe there's a big move in your future, right? What would happen if you would take it to God? That's what you're going to find about this man, Nehemiah. And that's why we read in Nehemiah 6, the success he had is because Nehemiah talked about it with God. You see, Nehemiah accomplished the impossible because he was dependent upon God. It's so easy not to be dependent upon God, though, isn't it? Be real. Don't you lie. You're in church. But is it not easy for us just to kind of take the bull by the horns? 
We try to figure it out and do it on our own. It is in my life. I can see time and time again that I've tried to do that. In fact, even in this thing called church, even in this thing called, called, called ministry, listen, it, it is so easy. In fact, I love this quote that I have by Alan Redpath. He says this, there is too much working before men and too little waiting before God. We just step into it. I got this. I've done it before. Hey, I was trained. Hey, we did this years ago, and we can do it again, and whatever. And if we're not careful, we can squeeze God out of life, can we not? And then we kind of feel like he's a genie in a bottle. We're going to rub it when we need him and have him pop in and somehow work on our behalf like he owes that to us. You know what God owes you? Hell. Death. That's what you deserve. But God, in his great love and kindness, sent his son, Jesus. Have you heard that story yet? He died for us. Listen, I'm so glad that God doesn't give us what we deserve oftentimes. And I'm so glad that God oftentimes, even though I step into a situation and do it before he says, so, I'm glad he says, you know, I, cool your jets, bro. You need to wait on me. I've got something far more greater than you can dream or imagine. You just need to pause. Well, let's read the word of God real quick. Can we do that? I love it. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter one. If you have your Bibles, your iPhones, your tablet, maybe you brought your home computer. I don't care. Let's get in the word of God today. Can we do that? Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah has heard the word. He's received the news about the the walls being torn down. Some of your lives are like this demonstration on the platform today. Even in the life of this church, we've gone through a season where there's been attack where there's been destruction and there are things that are in shambles and broken down, right? What will we do? I can tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do what Nehemiah did. We're going to rebuild and we're going to go and we're going to move forward. In fact, it's interesting. I, I, I spent some time, sorry, we'll get into the Bible real quick, but I want to just, we, we, I asked our staff a question this week and staff me and say, hey, what needs to be rebuilt in our church? This season that we've gone through and things have, have been torn down and re- what are some things, some of, some of the things our staff mentioned were confidence. You know, we need to get back to, to reaching out to people. Hey, we, we, we need to develop trust and, and community within our church. Some of them begin to mention different, different ministries and teams uh, within our congregation, our worship team. Hey, by the way, can I just tell you something? This is hot off the press. There are more deets coming in the future. Deets for you older people, that means details. That's what the young kids say today. There's more details coming, but we just hired a new youth pastor here at 1910 Church. Okay? Yeah. And it's not Jim Pops Tallarico at the age of 85, even though he's a great golf cart driver and joke teller. By the way, laughing is good in church. The average child laughs 400 times a day. The average human laughs, uh, adult laugh, uh, laughs 15 times a day. We lose 385 laughs a day somewhere between childhood to adulthood. So can we just relax and have fun a little bit, right? Anyway, okay, what, what was I talking about? Oh, some of the things our staff shared. Yeah, we need, and by the way, our staff is incredible. Again, we got a youth pastor coming. I can't wait to introduce them to you guys. It's gonna be awesome. I asked him a follow-up question to that. What about in our community? What walls need to be rebuilt so that people can see God's presence again? Confidence, transparency, passion within us, the Holy Spirit in us. 
Listen, even within the life of this church, not just in your lives and your personal and your personalizing in your home, but even in this church here, there's some rebuilding. And I'm telling you, it's go time. It's time for us to rebuild what's been torn down. But it's going to take all of us to do that. Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter one in verse four says this. When Nehemiah heard about what had happened in Jerusalem, it says he sat down and he wept. Now, we could stop there and spend the next three hours that I'm going to have for you today. We could just talk about that. When's the last time you really sat down and you wept over the destruction you see in our culture today? Hey, can I ask you a question? Do you really cry over lost people dying and going to hell? When's the last time you really sat down and you wept for the kid growing up without a dad at home? When's the last time you sat down and you really wept about people struggling with homelessness? Or, or, hey, let's go the opposite direction with that. We have a disease in our area that I believe it's called affluenza. That we've got so much, we don't think we need God. My bank account's fat. I got square footage and I got some horsepower in the garage, bro. Why do I need God? We're sick with affluenza. When's the last time we truly wept about what's going on in the culture around us? Eddie, that's what Nehemiah is doing here, bro. He pauses and it says he weeps. It says, in fact, for days I mourned, I fasted. Oh, he's getting overboard now. Cutting out some food and drink. I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said, oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant. You need to remember that. God keeps his covenant covenant. He doesn't break it. God keeps his covenant. Oh, God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Hey, can I ask you a question real quick? Some of us are wondering, man, I just wish God would step into my situation and change it, make it better. All the while you're living like the devil. Why would God bless that? Why would God bless someone who's just living like the devil? John, it doesn't match. Some of y'all are mad at me right now. That's okay. We can talk about it offline. But it says that God blesses those who obey his commands. Nehemiah says, listen to my prayer. God, look down and see, see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess, uh uh-oh, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Wow. There's so much there. Nehemiah's weeping. He doesn't even live in Jerusalem, guys. He's in Persia. He's he's not there, but he cares for the plight of his people. He wants to do something about it. And so what does he do? He starts with prayer, not a plan, not organizing a a group of people. No, he starts in prayer prayer. In fact, the book of Nehemiah, you're going to find about 12 different times he prays. 
you're going to find he, Nehemiah starts with prayer, and the end of Nehemiah, it ends with prayer. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Can we fast forward through those verses, John, on the screen today? Because I want people to understand something, that God heard the prayer of Nehemiah. And not only did Nehemiah pray, but in verse 11 of chapter 1, it says that Nehemiah then begins to plan. We oftentimes plan or execute before we spend time praying and asking, right? But Nehemiah understood prayer precedes the plan. Prayer, pre- prayer precedes the plan. And then he, he came up with the plan. In fact, he left and he went to see the walls of Jerusalem. He didn't take an entourage with him. He went in night. He rode in. It was just him. He wanted to assess the situation. He didn't want to, to, to alert his, his enemies around that, that he was there and something was about to happen. He just went in to see it for himself. In verse 11, Nehemiah prays once again. He says, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. And Lord, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Now, next week, we're going to unpack that last part of what that means. But what we see here is Nehemiah asking God to grant him success. Can I just encourage you with something today that whatever you're facing, whatever needs to be rebuilt, whatever your life might look like, The rebuilding process in your life, whatever's been broken down, maybe it's a relationship that's gone sideways. Maybe for some of you, you're seeking a new job or a career move. For some of you, maybe just trying to rebuild you because of some hurts or pains from the past. Rebuilding begins on our knees. That's what we see with Nehemiah here. Rebuilding to Nehemiah began not by gathering equipment and the necessary equipment, but rebuilding for Nehemiah begins on his knees and asking God to intervene. You see, Nehemiah knew that what he was facing was more than he was capable of pulling off but he believed in God. Do you? Do you believe that God is more than able to step into your situation and as bad as it looks and as much destruction as your world has right now, do you believe that God is more than... You see, rebuilding's gonna begin on our knees. Your personal lives, even in the life of this church. How long is it going to take? I I don't know. I just know that God does. And my response ought to be to ask him and to seek him. What's it going to look like? I I, I don't know that either. I just know that God sees things that I can't. His his perspective from, talk about a true 30,000 foot view, right? He knows more than we do. And I just know that my response is, the response of a man by the name of Nehemiah. 
is that I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to spend time on my knees and I'm going to hear from heaven before I ever start out to do anything for him. Guys, I'll be honest with you that what we see even in, 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 this, in this thing we call the church, it's going to require a lot. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see, besides God's help, what Nehemiah began to put in place. And remember what I said earlier, it's going to require every one of us being willing to get our hands dirty. Are you with me? That we're not satisfied, we're not content with, with where we see things right now. But will we get our hands dirty? And will we go? And let's go. Let's get after it. Let's build. Nehemiah said in that prayer in verse 11 that, Lord, would you grant us success? I want you to understand that success was not for himself. Success that Nehemiah was praying for there in verse 11 was not so that people would look at him and say, wow, you are an awesome wall builder. You're a great visionary, incredible leader. That's not what Nehemiah is praying for in verse 11. He's praying for God's success. He wants God to do something that the enemies will feel humiliated about because it seemed impossible. But with his God, it was possible. Can we begin to pray? Can we begin to get in the word of God? And can we begin to ask God to help us rebuild? Your life, your situation, yes. Can we begin to ask God to help us rebuild this church, the bride? Because here's the deal. Davey's not finished with us. We're still here. We're breathing. And there's still work to be done. There's still a kingdom to advance. Amen? And until the... Do you have a trumpet? No. But you sound good. John Perrin right here. How about that? Amen. You're a fan club, bro. God's still at work. And we're, not, we're still here. The trumpet's not blown. Call us home. And until that day, will we build? Would you stand up with me today? And I just want to remind you where we started today. The main point is prayer. And I want to remind you that before we do anything for God, our job is to talk to him. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Can I invite my ministry partners to go ahead and join us up front today and make themselves available? They're going to spread out across the room and I'm going to pray us out and dismiss us. I want you to know that if you are going through a difficult time, that, that we, we care about that. And, and, and we want to do our best to step into your world and help you and, and pray with you and encourage you in any form or fashion. And so uh, don't miss this moment. Obey the Spirit promptly. So God, my prayer is for everyone listening today that they would understand that you are a covenant-keeping God. And God, when you say things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you mean that. Lord, when you say things like, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart, God, you, you mean that. When you say things like, my plans are to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Lord, you, you mean those things. 
Lord, when you say things like, if you will trust in me and lean not on your own understanding and acknowledge me, my promise is I will make your path straight. When you say that, you mean that. And so God, for the person here today that just feels like throwing in the towel and that their situation is too far gone, it's too hopeless. People are chirping in their ear like you just need to bail out. I can't believe you're still there. Why do you still work there? Why do you still worship there? Why are you still married to whatever it is? God, would you just somehow remind us that you are still God? Those people aren't. You are. And God, that we would remember your promise. God, may we take it to you in prayer. May we weep over our situation and the situation around us. And God, may we do whatever you call us to do in order to rebuild what's been broken. And God, it's not for our fame, our glory. No, it's just so that we can brag about you all the more and point people to you and say, look how awesome our God is. Our God is an awesome God. He is. And we want to we shout your glory from the rooftops. So God... Would you grant us success so that you can be glorified? It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said, thank you guys, you're dismissed.